This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer and this is Farmer's Kitchen podcast, getting you in the mood for food, meeting chefs, talking produce and more. And it was Chef Nana, the CEO and woman behind Vegana, vegan food from Ghana and I have to say one of the best lunches I've had in a long time she was telling us her story from going from corporate communications to her own boss of her own kitchen plus we were speaking to Chef Akmal a true tastemaker the man behind White Rice that award-winning Three Fills restaurant what he's doing now and what does the future hold and today is no diet day so we were discussing the effects that crash dieting might have on your health plus trying to settle a debate pineapple on pizza yay or nay. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. And I definitely ate well for my lunch today. Huge thanks to our chef of the hour. We have got in the studio uh, Nana Soa Mansell, the chef and CEO of Vegana. Um, and this is vegan Ghanaian food. And I have to say, chef, not something I expected to have my lunch on a Friday afternoon. And it was amazing. Thank you for being with us. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me here. Uh, well, I was just so interested when I heard about this, and I, I, I'm loath to use the phrase concept, but when I heard about what you were doing, I needed to find out more because we have actually met in the past when you had a different hat on entirely. You worked in corporate comms in the UK, UAE, you're working on Rolls Royce and the Literature Festival and Hyatt, and now... You're a chef, so tell us about this transformation, this journey you've been on. Well, I mean, in all my years of marketing, watching other people, I mean, bringing people to their ARN studios is something yeah. I've done, you yes. know, for for years and years. So it's quite a, it's a lovely surprise to be on the other side of the fence, so to speak. And what I didn't realise is, um, other than cooking and the passion for cooking, the, the, the most important skill is marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when I have a product that is niche of niche, I um, I really have to kind of challenge my own marketing knowledge because the way you tell you get people to eat this food is by trying it. That's exactly it. And I say that with the best will in the world, I was like, plant-based Ghanaian food. Like my, my brain couldn't like attach that. Mm. I had no hook because I've never had Ghanaian food before. I'm a pretty dedicated carnivore. And I, I'm not saying this because you're sitting two meters from me. It was delicious. I had the, we had the jollof rice and a fried plantain and the like, tomatoy stew and then a pine- pineapple and ginger cake. It was so, so good, honestly, just phenomenal. But that's exactly it. You've, it's getting people to taste it. We're going to talk about um, the Ghana, but I want to go back in time a little bit. Can you tell us about the food you were eating when you were growing up in Ghana? Well, I grew up in both Ghana and in the UK. So um, in a way, I think that also sharpened my appreciation of Ghanaian food because I was sent at 10 as a boarder to um, to a kind of a cold school on the hill. And then was, that was the first time I realised how much I missed my own Ghanaian food <laughs> yeah, when I was faced with was str- strange things like toad in the hole <laughs> or whatever. Um, so that's where, it, that's where it started. And then in, in Ghana, we're very much uh, a street food food culture which is tied in where Southern Ghana and Makan and Akans are naturally feminist so um, like my mum wouldn't cross her mind that she was the one who had to do the cooking kind of thing so we buy a lot of food in and it's part of our society mm-hmm. so on certain days there were certain street food th- treats so I grew up actually eating some of the things I sent you today they were the special oh, treats oh really yeah. they were they were treats and for anyone who hasn't had Ghanaian food are there any flavours you know kind of 
How would you describe that flavour profile to anyone who's never had it before? That's just the thing, um, because Ghana itself has had such a huge international influence going back 600 years. And what I understand as African or Ghanaian food actually isn't at all, was brought to us by the Portuguese sailors, a lot of it, about going back about five, 600 years ago, and then taken back to South America, the Caribbean, by the slaves. So our food is, is, has so much influence. So actually, everybody will recognise something in it. A lot of people naturally think that um, because it's West African food, it might be spicy or kind of, and it actually isn't. It's just mm. very flavoursome. Mm-hmm. It was. I, it was war- warming rather than hot. Does that make sense? Yes, warming and with, with a lot of surprise flavours in your mouth. And but quite it's, a lot it's of not, sweetness not and yeah. texture. We had, you know, this rice and salad mixed in there as well. Okay, make us make us hungry. What are some of your favourite dishes on the menu you've, you've created? So um, my favourite goes back to my childhood. It would be called plantain and beans. And it's kind of the ultimate in um, in comfort food. Kind of if a burger could get up and wrap you in a, in a blanket, that would be plantain and beans. <laughs> and I, I grew up um, buying that every Saturday morning. But it's just, it's it's been, a, it's pure vegan food. Of course, we don't, we don't give it that name. It's just plantain and beans. And it's very simply made. If you look at the ingredients, it's basically um, beans that you put in a tomato-based stew. And a lot of Ghanaian Food is just based on how you cook your t- tomatoes. You become an expert in getting certain types of food from, you know, how long you, you fry or boil or, or put your tomatoes in the soup. And that's the kind of secret behind it rather than, than anything else. And we have, you know, almost like, like the Irish would have potatoes with everything. We have plantain with plantain and, and plantain with everything. And um, I think the usefulness of plantain is that it almost adds the element that we would miss with meat. It gives it that layer of a certain different type of solidness and um, texture to, mm-hmm. to what you're eating and if you have only have a small portion in it I find if I give people plantain or yam balls you don't even think about the food so you know I don't like to say necessarily my food is vegan food it's just tasty food with a lot of variety in it well said indeed you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinneys eat well live well Joined in the studio now by Chef Nanasoa Mansell, the chef and CEO of Vegana. And she was driven by a very obvious, passionate belief that West African food deserves a bit of a place in global cuisines, especially here in Dubai. Vegana is vegan, Ghanaian food, but as Nana's just explaining, not necessarily vegan by design, just vegan by the mere fact of the food that has, you grew up with and the food that you now love. Uh, Julie's saying, my daughter did a human rights internship in Ghana. I went to visit her and loved the plantain. Oh, my goodness, it was so delicious. So African food, West African in particular, in Dubai, we do tend to have certain popular cuisines. You know, lots of people going after that, you know, that Asian, that Asian fusion, you know, Peruvian. African food in many places to go. So I'll start with, I can talk about West African food and um, Ghanaian food is very similar to the rest of the the West African. We're very, very different people. Even in Ghana, we have nine languages. But when it comes to food, and I don't mean dialects, I mean completely languages. different languages. So West Africa is so vast and so different and we're so ethnically different in how we look at everything, religion, everything. But our food kind of carries across these kind of nine to 12 countries that you might loosely describe as West African. And the thing about West African food, unlike say Indian or say Chinese or other types of food, you don't usually need anything special. A lot of it, like I say, was brought to us by European sailors. And now I know in Dubai that um, if I went in the spinnies, I could cook 80% of my menu quite easily. 
from there. There would only be one or two things that aren't there. And I would really see the other one or two in a place like that. But you, you can cook, say, the jollof rice you had. It's only the yam that she possibly couldn't get in her spinnies. But that can be replaced by another type of root vegetables that, say, um, spinnies does have. Yeah. Now, one thing you sent over that I, I've never had before is fonio. Fonio, am I saying it correctly? Yes, fonio. What is it exactly and what is its importance to um, you as a chef but also perhaps to your country as well? Yes, so phonio is one of the things that blows my mind and drives me to do what I'm doing and I kind of go around saying I'm going to change the way the world eats. It's a small ambition. But phonio <laughs> is, is one of the things that make me think, wow, how does this even exist? And it was phonio that got me kind of on this food path in the first place because I had never heard about it. And actually, I put it on my menu and I say my menu is authentic, but there's a little bit of a lie in that because people in Ghana don't actually necessarily eat fonio. It's only in one small tribe. And when I got into this business, became what's what's now being a, we're a growing, uh, growing commu- global community of what are called Afro-vegan chefs. Um, or Afro chefs, um, I found that nearly everybody on their on their own had found their way to Fonio. And when you when you hear about it and you hear what it is, you've got to adopt it. So basically, Fonio cooks and looks like couscous. It's like a a small grain. Yeah, and as you say, it's softer yeah. when, when it's cooked. Okay. And it's um, it's apparently um, one of Africa's oldest grains, but it's gluten-free, it's unprocessed, you, it cooks under 10 minutes. You can cook it in a cup in the microwave, you can use it as a porridge in the morning, you can use it as a, as a, as a batter for, as a, you know, as a quote, around things. You can add it to the side of, of anything, you can that kind of, you can really do anything with it, like you can with, say, with, say, couscous. But what's remarkable about it is it's between 9 to 11 grams of protein Ooh. per 100 G, which is I mean, going battling with quinoa and battling with most of the things that we think are protein high. Mm-hmm. So really, this is this is really really protein high. Especially when you're looking at a plant based. Yeah, menu, and it's menu. it's a it's a it's an actual whole grain of the of the proper definition of the word. That's a healthy grain. That's really good for you. And I first got intrigued by it because I've been a lifelong kind of yo-yo dieter, and I met a friend who was was talking about his new machine that was um, kind of was was working with this grain, and that his only customers to buy this grain that was a was a cup they were using as a cup his only customers were doctors treating diabetic patients so instantly my ears went flap flap you know what is this Mm -hmm. Um, because at that point I was a kind of a a high protein low carb kind of diet and I said what is this and he said yeah yeah the the doctors the diabetic doctors give it to their patient It's, it's the best carb they can give them I was like whoa I haven't heard about it and then, so the more research I did, the more I found that there are some chefs around the world who found out about Fonio. But what is really, really significant is that Fonio grows in the poorest parts of Africa, of West Africa anyway, where there's, it grows in desert condition with, you know, with almost no watering. So this is really significant for yes, farmers. Yes, so it's, it's, it's what you would call a climate crisis ready kind of food. And it... it it would help to re- both regenerate the soil and also help us fight back the desert. Um, I have a couple of messages going, how to spell it? Good question. It's F-O-N-I-O. And what do you do with it on the menu at Vagano? How, how are you cooking with it? So we usually have it as a side dish. To, so to where we would have some of the more starchy African dishes, like a yam, we then give you an option of ordering 
um, Fonio. Um, so one of the things I sent to you, Helen, was uh, was spinach with agusti with fonio. And when I look at it, that's probably one of the healthiest meals I can think of e- that anybody can ever eat. But it's warm, it's yummy, it's filling. You wouldn't see it as a, usually we're kind of conditioned to think. Because I think of health food and I'm like, oh no, no taste, yeah. no flavour. And this was the absolute opposite. It was so comforting, so tasty and not at all heavy, filling, but not heavy. Does that make sense yeah, as a yeah, distinction? Yeah. I think you're doing amazing things. How how scary was it to make the leap, Nana, from, as I said, a very successful career in corporate comms to doing well, your I have, thing? you know, I have quite a few things to thank. So it was mostly uh, COVID. I mean, I had a, a lovely job, which I enjoyed, um, and then, um, which was working with the, the Emirates Literature Festival, and then COVID came along. So it was obvious this massive event, which we had started organising, wasn't going to happen. So I had to think what next and um i started i was in a small kind of a in the in the in the covid days i was in a, a bubble with people who were vegan or vegetarian and i would i would cook for people as i've always enjoyed cooking for people any excuse and i'm i'm there cooking for people and whenever i had to and i ne- i wouldn't necessarily cook ghanaian food i'd cook anything um and then but i noticed whenever i had to cook for a vegan or vegetarian the only interesting thing i could i could think of was um, Ghanaian food. I mean, there's only so much t- tomato and uh, pasta you could give to somebody. But then when I thought about Ghanaian food, they, you know, it was, the options were endless. So that was what made me think, oh, could I do something with this as a business, start off a vegan West African food business? And at the time, I wasn't vegan myself. So the thought was this was something that, you know, my um, something to encourage people to eat more plant-based and certainly myself as well. Um, and now I find there's so many offshoots of what I'm doing, like Fonio, which I now passionately believe it's my duty to get both Ghanaians and other people eating it again if we create the demand, if we create the interest, that, that, that sort of thing. Where do you source from then when it comes so, to things like Fonio, which I've, you know, I had to Google the spelling of. It's not a case of, you know, getting it from the supermarket, presumably. Yeah. So there's more and more, so actually from my menu, and there's the two most kind of um, amazing superfoods of my menu are Agusti, which you had, which I, I still haven't found any other un, completely natural plant-based food that has more protein than Agusti, which is, comes in at 30%, between 27 to 30% protein. Can you explain what it is exactly? So Agusti is a, it's a, it's made from the seed, the inside of a melon seed. It's a uh, West African melon seed. And in the inside, you, you get a softer pulp so to speak and then it's made into a flour and we eat it all across West Africa but you can use it for for omelettes you can use it to thicken stews you can use it like I do to mix with the spinach again like it it takes it's more more like a flour than a grain mm-hmm. and but it's 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 a superfood and it's amazingly healthy and you can make it very tasty and whenever I look, I go, why isn't the world eating this? Because we don't know about it until now. So Agusi, <laughs> in every major city in the world, including Dubai, and like my people get around, there will be a West African <laughs> community. And um, and they, they the, 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 the shops in Dubai now... West African shops will deliver you a goosey very, very right. happily. We're going to have a chat with our friend at Spinney, see if we can hook you up. What's, yeah. the, what's the response been like? For um, Vigana, uh, the response has been, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of riding on a crest of, of, uh, of awe of how great the response has been. I mean, the main thing is to get people to try it. So we, do, I do a lot of festivals and big events and then you know, people come to us out of curiosity or whatever. And then they go, whoa, this is so tasty. This is me going, because Poonam, I'll, full disclosure, Poonam was like, well, we're going to try some, um, some uh, vegan African food for lunch tomorrow. And I was like, yummy. 
I think, and brought, <laughs> yeah. and brought a backup lunch, which is untouched in the fridge, which is absolute credit to you, Nana, because it was so delicious. But I guess that is a challenge. It's getting, you know, people listening today going like, yeah, I know Helen's saying it's delicious and, you know, the chef sounds amazing, but would I actually, you know, make that order? Would I take the leap of, you know, p- you know actually getting it into my house? So, yeah, it's a bit of an outreach, but it's a bit of an education process, I think, for a lot of people. So I saw you were at Times Square doing work with their sustainability festival they have. What's coming up for you in terms of events and meeting people and, yeah, getting getting people to try this? Absolutely. So I just have to be, I mean, my, my kind of marketing strategy has to be based on, especially me in person as well. Yes, you. Being, putting myself about as much as possible. Mm. Luckily, I am a people person and I yeah, am like a very a social. I am <laughs> a very social person with a lot of energy as long as I can balance my kids in. So I, I am getting myself about uh, a lot. You're yeah. being modest. Balancing kids and DJing and a clothing line and getting a business off the ground. You're doing amazing. Um, question here from Seema saying how to order. Thank you, Seema. Took the word right out of my mouth. So where are you operating from? And so we operate from, a, yes, we deliver everywhere across Dubai and we have partners that deliver across the, anywhere in the UAE. Well, that would be for 24 hours notice. Um, so we deliver it absolutely everywhere. Um, from our website, which is www.vegana.life. So that's V-E-G-H-A-N-A dot life. Yeah. Okay, difficult question. If anyone's going to order from you this weekend, is there a dish where you think, if you haven't eaten this, you haven't had the Vegana experience? I would start with either plantain and beans or jollof rice. Um, and those are really good introductions. In Personally, I have a slight preference for plantain and beans, but both are really yummy. Yeah, And then a nice a nice bit of dessert to finish. Well, I mean, the, the dessert, uh, dessert is also, you know, when you have one of those, you know, um, you have a show and then one character does so well, he has his own show. So um, <laughs> it's the cho- <laughs> I had the spin-off. So our chocolate cake is a little bit like that. It has its own, um, I'm trying to... Kind of think, just calm down a bit, will you? <laughs> it's not, not getting about all the you. attention. Well, I'll give a shout out to the pineapple and junior cake because that's still my heart this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Nana, thank you so much for being with us. If you do want the details of Vagana, by all means, drop me a little line on 4001. I'd be very happy to reply with that because I want everyone to try this. It blew my mind, it made my week. Chef, thank you so much oh, for your wow, time thank today. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I have to say, a true tastemaker. His parents had a hawker stall in Singapore and the chef worked tirelessly, long hours for years. Fast forward, Akmal Anua is a chef proprietor of White Rice, a boutique hospitality company that was the founding team for Three Fills, which has gone on to become the inaugural champion of the MENA's 50 best restaurants and is now trailblazing ahead with Eleven Woodfire, a Toro, which is a modern Japanese in the riverfront in Abu Dhabi, and uh, going to be opening up a contemporary dining spot in Sharjah's digital library, House of Wisdom. He's on the line now. Chef, where are you this afternoon? Hi, Helen. Hi, where are you, Chef? It sounds like you're travelling. I'm in Singapore now. <laughs> you're in Singapore now? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. I'm in Singapore. I came back to see my uh, my family for eat. Amazing. And what are you eating? Have you been doing some some hawker stalls, any Michelin? What's been what's been the highlight so far on the food front? So I arrived two days ago, so I, I'm just out with family, eating uh, home-cooked food, family food. But today I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying on some restaurants on today. I'm back on Monday to Dubai. Ah, oh, right. Well, you need to get back because Dubai Restaurant Week starts today, actually. Are any of your restaurants involved? 
Yes, yes, of course. Uh, you know, Wood Fire is involved. Uh, we have two set menu for lunch that we are taking part for DFF. And we have that Platinum uh, Heritage in the Desert cooking on the 10th of May. So next week, now Platinum Heritage, for anyone who's not familiar, they actually, (laughs) this sounds really strange, they actually provided my wedding car when I got married because my dad is a massive, massive Land Rover fan and he's, you know, he's had Land Rover since the 70s and when they moved back from Oman to the UK, my dad bought an old Land Rover and fixed it up and this was the big surprise for my dad on our wedding day is that we were going to be taken from the church to the venue in this gorgeous cream vintage Land Rover and they do desert safaris but with a kind of a real eco tourism twist and obviously a big emphasis on food as well so next week what are you going to be doing with platinum heritage chef so we're, we're cooking with uh chef Mossad coming from them we'll do a four hands uh five course menu uh cooking in the desert eating in, in this uh, nice uh like an oasis like a setup right in the middle of the desert it's very nice in the nature reserve you see oryx Gazelles wow. all over there. Oh, that sounds amazing. Is is it open to anybody? Is it possible to book tickets or how does it work, Chef? Yeah, I think you can need to book through Platinum Heritage. Uh, I think it's about seven fifty eight hundred per head. Uh, I think everything will be arranged. You get transport. Like you say, guests will be uh, picked up from the main gate, uh, get into this very nice uh, vintage Land Rover and then brought to the site and then have dinner with cooking a whole roast lamb, some entertainment, uh, uh, people doing performance with fire and so forth. Now, fire is a bit of a theme for you. You have a Leavenwood fire and you've described it as being your culinary heritage and your life's work and a culmination of a culinary journey. Um, what is so significant to you about cooking with fire? I think fire is one of, I think, is the oldest uh, cooking method ever. Uh, that's when human found way to cook. It was way before cuisine. I think it, it's it's all about technique, patience. You know that flavor. Cooking with fire needs a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. You know it gives a lot of intensity to the food you cook. And people like to gather around fire. It gives you warmth. It, you 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 kind of celebrate. So yeah, I think fire fire gives you a lot of elements to 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 human. You know to 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 bring people together. And I think that's a really interesting point there about the skill involved because we th- we kind of joke and me being from the UK that it was always the like the men that would gather around the barbecue and it's like you know man cook with fire but often and speaking certainly with my dad it would be like absolutely charcoal covered sausages you know there there is so much more skill involved than you actually realise because when you go to your beautiful restaurant Eleven Wood Fire it is. It's a real star of the show. You've got this kind of bank of fire on the right-hand side and you've got, you know, everything from, you know, fish and steaks as well, but also kind of really delicate dishes, even a dessert element. And when we think about smoke, I guess it's an ingredient in itself when you think about the taste. Is that something that you've got to consider when you're cooking with it, the impact that you're, you're bringing to the taste by the method that you're cooking? No, I think I think what's important first comes with the ingredients. The ingredient needs to be good, mm-hmm. and then we find the best wood, the best temperature to cook that particular dish. You know, uh, you know everything needs to be fresh. Everything needs to be super crispy and super good, and then the flavor will come out. The the, the wood element, the fire element, just just add on to to how the the dish uh, end product 
will be presented. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well. Joining us live on the line, speaking to us from his native Singapore, we've got Akmal Anua. He is the chef proprietor at White Rice. They're a hospitality company behind well, some of my favourite restaurants, Eleven Woodfire, for sure. If you haven't been there, you need to. And they were the founding team for Three Fills, the inaugural champion of Mina's 50 Best Restaurants. Chef, I'm afraid to ask you this because I'm in the yes camp when it comes to pineapple on pizza. What about you? Yes or no? Uh, I don't like to answer this question. <laughs> okay, if you, if you have pineapple on pizza, I'll eat it, you know. But if, if I have to make the pizza, okay, I won't put the pineapple. Okay, that I think enough, that, no? that is fair enough. That is fair enough. As I said, you, you've been responsible for opening and consulting some incredible restaurants around the world here in GCC, of course. How do you divide your time? I mean, you, you're a family man as well. How do you prioritize projects and really make sure you're able to oversee everything that you need to be involved in, Chef? I have no time, Alan, you know. <laughs> More chef. There, 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 there is no balanced life, you know. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to work as hard as possible, trying to push myself. Uh, I'm barely 40, I'm going to be 40 this year. So I think I want to achieve as much as I can, mm-hmm. and then retire early if I, if I, if, I if, if, if it allows me before 50. But I'm just trying to do as much as I can. I just I just want to raise the bar for myself. Can we go back to the early days of Three Fills? Because it took longer than expected to kind of gain popularity, and then obviously went absolutely stratospheric. Were there times, you know, in either in the early days of Three Fills or any of your even earlier projects than that, where you really? didn't perhaps want to even work in the industry at all? I mean, uh, those days were a bit more different. Dubai wasn't so saturated. Uh, I think I was the first few chefs that left those big companies, uh, BIFC or hotel or whatsoever you call it. And we we were the first few that ventured uh, out of places out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it took a bit of time. But but right now you see all these brands, homegrown brands popping up everywhere. I think people get inspired. I think I, I, I prove that uh, hard work and, you know, resilience uh, do give you results, you know. Yeah, I, I think that. And I think you are actually a real inspiration. And I know we use the word inspiration probably a bit too much, but I really do mean this for you in terms of, you know, nurturing these homegrown brands and being a, a bit of a, a bit of a beacon, really, of exactly that, that resilience, that hard work, the hours, the hours, the hours, and it paying off. Um, I, yeah, not yet 40. So what's next? I have heard whispers about something in New York. Is that true? Yeah, uh, we're opening one in New York. Uh, I'm the creative director for Calvary for this brand. I have a partner there. Uh, he owns Maria in New York. Amazing, yeah. A few more restaurants there in the in, in U.S. So my, my role is just to uh, to assist or partner in the culinary side of it. Mm-hmm. And then I have a few more openings we want to do, probably in London. Hopefully we're in talks. I don't want to confirm anything yet. And uh, two, three more in Sharjah and Abu Dhabi. Wow. So, yeah, when you say you've got no time, this is no, this is no exaggeration. Um, thinking, of, thinking back to some of the openings and, and even you working with your family 
back in Singapore. Have you had one kind of lesson or something that each restaurant or experience has taught you that you carry carry with you now as you as you go, go for global domination? You know, actually, what my my family brought me into the food business, but right now I had self-taught myself into running it into a proper business, like mm-hmm. like hiring people and all that financial and so that. So now I'm actually looking into helping my family business do better. So we're, we're progressing together as a family. So right now, you know, I put a lot of hard work, but it's not only me. I have a team that that is behind me, supporting me, who also work a lot, a lot of, put in a lot of hard work and, you know, common sense and heart and all that, you know. So everything plays a big part into doing this. Your family must be so proud of you. They, they really must. What, what's, what have they said to you that make you realise it's all worthwhile? Sorry, I didn't get you. Your, what have you, your, your family must be so proud of everything you've achieved. Have they, have they said that or do you just know? No, I, I, of course they're, they're proud. But uh, we, we, my sister now is, is looking after business and I'm, I'm trying to uh, inspire her and push her to do more, you know, not to stick with hawker. Yeah, we came from hawker. We, we, we know our roots. We remember who we are. But now things are... Things need to change. Things need to be better. Now, you're talking there about recruitment in the business side and, you know, you've, you're now a mentor to many and don't blush. I can see the blush all the way from here. <laughs> what do you look for yeah, in, yeah. in young talent? When you're recruiting, what are you looking for and who do you want in your kitchens? I want, I want people to put in a lot of, you know, pure, uh, pure energy into what they do. Not, not only just to make money, you know. Mm-hmm. Make money is one thing. Yeah, make money, you give people jobs, you pay people salary, you pay the bills. But, you know, Dubai or UAE itself makes more diverse brands, make more chef-driven kind of restaurants. Uh, create more concepts that are different rather than to copycat each and everyone, you know. You want to go and see what the chef can cook, not to go there to see what concept they can give. So you give you more choice. Uh, you 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 will be it will be more enjoyable, more gastronomy kind of a uh, experience. We've had a couple of messages asking about your collaboration next week. So you are teaming up with Platinum Heritage, part of Dubai Food Festival. So I don't know how fully booked it is, but for a bit more information, you will be going out into the desert and cooking up a, a set menu, ten dishes. Can you give us a bit of a sneak peek? What are you planning for this special? Um, kind of event under the stars. What what can people be eating? So we have dishes that we we have uh, featuring in Levung Fire that we will do in the desert, and then that collaboration with Chef Musad from Platinum Heritage will give his Arabian touch. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we will have our roasted uh, tomato with gastric uh, on the first course. Uh, we have the whole roast lamb. We will slowly cook it on wood fire. Um, we have our famous cheesecake, burnt cheesecake oh, for dessert. It's so good. It's so yeah, good. Yeah. I, I know you like that. I love it. We will, we, will also bring, yeah, we will also bring our mixologies to do very, very nice drinks there. So it's a full experience there. It's not just going there and have uh, bread and hummus. It's, it's a full wood fire experience. 
Well, it sounds amazing. Um, if anyone wants the information for that, do feel free to send me a message on 4001. You can check out the link in the Platinum Heritage Instagram as well. Chef, I'm going to let you get back to your family, your travels and your eating in, uh, in Singapore. Have an amazing, amazing time. Really excited to have you back in Dubai next week for this collaboration and uh, all of that hard work just paying off in absolute spades and always a pleasure to speak to you. Take care of yourself. Um, Eden Barak to you and yours, sir. Chef Akmal speaking to us. He is the man behind 11 Woodfire, Three Fills and more. And that collaboration, as I said, taking place next week. Um, I think it's going to be one to remember the 10th of May, sunset in the desert, in the conservation area with Platinum Heritage and White Rice. So, yeah, if you do want information, by all means, get in touch. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is Friday, May the 6th, my brother's 37th birthday, which is um, mind-blowing, to be honest, given that in my mind I'm 24 and he's three years younger than me. So happy birthday, Mike. It's also International No Diet Day. And this is a day to help men and women around the world appreciate their bodies and also, of course, to highlight and tackle tough issues regarding diet and body awareness. Now, over the last few days... There's been a big topic surrounding the Met Gala. Kim Kardashian has received a lot of criticism after she admitted to losing 16 pounds, about seven kilos, in a matter of days so she could fit into that famous dress worn by Marilyn Monroe 60 years ago. This has been met by, unsurprisingly, global concern about crash dieting and body image. With us now, we've got Dr. Ruhill with us to explain a little bit about, well, what we need to be aware of when it comes to issues around crash dieting, the impact it has on our bodies, but also our minds as well. Dr. Ruhill, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I am fine. Now, you're a family physician at Cornerstone, so you are looking at this, obviously, with a very medical hat on. Um, And, you know, International No Diet Day, it's not an excuse to necessarily go completely wild, but it it really is an opportunity to talk about healthy weight, healthy weight gain, healthy weight loss as well. What kind of issues are you seeing coming to the clinic when it comes to concerns regarding BMI? I think we see much more of being overweight and having a high BMI as an issue, a lot more than having a low BMI. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are trying to have a low BMI. People, you know, because of celebrity, because of things like Kim Kardashian coming on and saying, you know, I lost 16 pounds in three weeks. People are aiming to do the same thing. Uh, so I don't get so much of the lower end. I get far more of the higher end. And when people are coming to you, is it because they have already done the maths and, and we know BMI is, is not necessarily the the ultimate judge of, of kind of body health but it's probably the closest we've got to in terms of understanding your body mass index you know your height and your weight combined to fit into some kind of range whether as underweight normal overweight obese morbidly obese etc so if someone comes to you and they are looking to reduce their bmi and get to a healthy weight what are some of the the really basic medical advice that you give out as a family physician to help people do this in a sustainable and healthy way For it to be sustainable, it needs to be slow. And I think one of the, what I read recently was fast doesn't last. Mm. And I think that's very true about crash diets. You do it very quickly, it doesn't last very long. So if you want something that's sustainable, it needs to be a full overhaul in the way you live your life. Um, And it's about, it's not about cutting out a huge group of foods because that's not sustainable. You need to be more aware of portion sizes, Um, and, you know, how much of each food group you actually do need. You do need carbohydrates, but not in the amounts that we are currently eating. We do need dairy, but again, not in the amounts that we're eating. So it's about 
having a healthy relationship with food and understanding what each kind of big major group of foods are and as well as doing the exercise as, uh, with it. Um, and it should be a little bit of both. You know, it needs to be the food as well as the exercise. You can't just do one if you do want to lose weight. That's the, that's the old kind of saying, isn't it? You, know, you, are, you can't out-train a bad diet. So you're looking at those kind of aspects hand in hand. Now, it's a very upsetting topic for a lot of parents to admit to themselves, admit to their children that their child might have a weight problem. And unfortunately, we are seeing really you know, increasing rates of childhood obesity here in the UAE. But how can we keep an eye on our children and their health without necessarily putting them on the scales, which I think can be a really tricky, tricky move. As, as parents, what can we be doing to make sure our kids are maintaining a healthy weight or getting there if they need to make some changes? Well, I think the first thing is if you're concerned about it, definitely speak to a clinician, speak to your doctor about your child's weight. And, you know, we would do it in a way that maybe the child wouldn't be in the room with us when we talk to the parents mm. about what is healthy and what isn't healthy. Um, and again, just like for adults, it's about having healthy food with a lot of exercise and kids do need a fair amount of exercise and they also need a good amount of food like you don't want to restrict them uh you want them to be having plenty of protein plenty of vegetables and fruits and cutting down on those processed high sugar the the white sugar goods that they often eat like the chocolates and the sweets and the fried food but um and it's just like for adults really you know just eating right and and doing lots of exercise. It is. It sounds so sensible. You know, it, it, it's all it's all the obvious stuff. And I think, unfortunately for, for many adults, and I've definitely cut myself in this, I've got all the information I need at my fingertips, you know, more so than ever before when we think about the internet and, and mobile phones. I've got, you know, experts all over the city. And yet for, for so many people, and as I said, I include myself in this, we often don't necessarily make that connection it's a psychological barrier i think sometimes when it comes to losing weight or making changes when is it time and it's to hard work it's really hard work and it, as you say if you do it slowly you're like oh god this just feels like i'm making no no progress at all but when is it worth speaking to someone that can help with the psychological side as opposed to you know the the physical side such as such as yourself how can those work hand in hand uh, there is a huge psychological aspect of, of weight gain um, as well as the other way, you know, when you're struggling to put on weight or you're having issues with food, um, it, either either side of the spectrum is an issue. And I think that if you are, if anybody is feeling that they need to speak to someone, you should speak to someone. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you before I let you get back to clinic, um, and I'm sure Kim Kardashian has uh, all sorts of lotions and potions and experts to help with some of the side effects of crash dieting that she has mm. been doing to get into this dress. But for the rest of the world, um, wh- what are some of the, I guess, the less desirable sides of losing a vast amount of weight in a short amount of time that, that you've seen as a doctor? So, I mean, the first thing you're saying that uh, Kim Kardashian, she has a whole... A network of people who are magicians when it comes to makeup and hair um, but your skin can become dry you can come out with acne hair loss is a problem and of course someone like Kim Kardashian can hide it all mm-hmm. uh, behind this magic um, other things are like gallstones um, part problems with your heart palpitations drops in blood pressure 
that can you also lose uh, lean body mass and decrease your metabolic rate, which is Ooh, actually long term. You'd be very, very detrimental long term. You're like, okay, I've just lost you know seven kilos, but long term it could it could make it really hard to maintain a healthy weight if that metabolism's dropped. Yes, and you know nowadays we we understand that actually strength training is really vital when you are trying to lose weight. Our muscles will use calories when they're not actually being used. Um, and that's the best way to, to keep your metabolism going is to have good muscle mass. Dr. Hill, thank you so much for your time today. As I said, you are a family physician at Cornerstone Clinics and really interesting to get your take on this, that kind of measured response, because we're absolutely bombarded with images and you know the Met Gala this week I I found the whole thing really distasteful and we think about what's happening in the world and the you know the costumes and the dresses and it felt all a bit kind of you know that district in the Hunger Games where everyone's dressed just like horrendously and looking like these kind of (laughs) overblown caricatures everything's just felt very distasteful for me this week and I think unfortunately a lot of highlights have gone on to Kim Kardashian losing this weight and that being held up as something that is achievable and I think it's so so damaging for teens and young people but even for you know for for us as you know women in you know 30s 40s and beyond who know that this is not a good idea to still think okay well maybe I can lose five kilos before my holiday in two weeks time please do go to the doctor if you are concerned about your weight there are tests that can be done there are conversations that can be had health help is at hand but please do it the right way and as you say fast doesn't last dr hill thank you for your time wishing you a wonderful wonderful weekend ahead we're going to be settling some great food debates this afternoon so uh whether it is oh my goodness i mean jaffa cake cake or biscuit uh (laughs) now the one i saw earlier do you put your cereal in the bowl first or your milk i can't believe this is a debate obviously you put your cereal in first do you keep your ketchup in the fridge or the pantry this is the big the big topics we're talking about today but of course we're starting off with what might be the greatest food debate pineapple on pizza yes or no my goodness can't think of anything worse italians around the uae now listening in horror. And I'm sorry to you out there, especially to my Italian friends. Um, I don't mind it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a thumbs up, to be honest. Not something I necessarily order, but it certainly doesn't offend me. What about you? Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Now, apparently the pineapple pizza created in Canada, 1962, by a Greek immigrant called Sam Panopoulos. There you go, Sam. I mean, I say thank you, but lots of people saying on the text line, no, thank you. Let me know your vote. We've divided the city. We've divided the city. I don't know what I've done out here. But tell you what, the no's have it at the moment. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no. The no's are edging ahead. Got to be honest, a lot of people very, very passionate about this. Susan's saying they're the best. Definitely, yes. Al getting involved in all of our food debates. Jaffa cakes or biscuits? Calling them a cake was a tax dodge, apparently. Cereal in the bowl first. Only savages would do otherwise. And definitely pineapple on pizza. Hawaiian is the favourite. Akifa, no. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Some passioned, passioned debates going on this afternoon. Message here saying, pineapple and pizza take me back to my 80s childhood. Pineapple and cheese cocktail sticks were the best. Extra points if it was um, like a hedgehog 
you know, put a tinfoil around the orange, turn it into a hedgehog. That was the stuff of childhood parties. Rajani, love this. Try char-grilled pineapple and balsamic on a pizza. Taste is divine. And uh, Odlian saying, it's a big yes of pineapple on pizza for me. We even have a pizza flavour called Hawaiian and Aloha. Where is this? Let me know immediately. Grace saying, no way I can have pineapple pizza. I don't like mixing sweet and savoury. Riette says, yes. Myra, yes. Craig, absolutely yes. We've been asking everyone to get in touch this afternoon and share pineapple on pizza. Your thoughts, yay or nay, yes or no. Absolutely or not a chance. Well, I have to say, looking at the numbers, we've just, just edged it with a yes. We've had Eamon saying, heck no for pineapple pizza. I'd use stronger words, but I'm a good boy. Bianca is a big yay from Chloe and Luke. They're on the way for their weekly swimming class. It's all about balance, sweetness, sprinkle some chilli flakes. Yum. Uh, <laughs> but Luca... By chance, you are Italian. So I'm guessing there's sarcasm here when you're saying you'd put pineapple in shepherd's pie or the Yorkshire pudding. Trying to get a bit of uh, bit naughty with the, the British food, are we, Luca? But you know what? You're absolutely right. It's not authentic, but it does taste good. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.